It's time for my final mini cones, also known as Ramesh's recaps and sometimes passionate Rameshans. This time, I'm going to change it up yet again. I want to start with my recap and finish with some final thoughts. So here goes. Chapter 31 starts with Ray and Margie heading to Gina's house. They arrive at her home and rush to the door. Ray shoots his way through the front door as they rush in hearing screams. They find Morales and Sparn mid-attack with Gina bloody and beaten. Sparn demands they lower their weapons, threatening Gina's life. Ray negotiates with Sparn after Morales leaves her in Sparn's grasp. Sparn brags that they work with Albert Moffat. Grandisha asks for more information about Moffat, and Sparn cannot believe he has never heard of him. Sparn and Morales tell Grandisha that Moffat is an important man. They also brag that they will be in charge of his whores and continue to be Moffat's enforcers. They eventually admit to the murders of the Donises and Edzolas. Grandisha plays along trying to buy time for Gina by calling off the additional police that had arrived. Margie stares at Sparn and Morales, realizing they killed her husband, but keeps herself restrained. Grandisha offers to call Moffat to clear things up. As Sparn offers Gina to Grandisha, Gina hits Sparn in the gut and then escapes. The police rush in and arrest the two students. Margie covers Gina, who collapses as the EMTs arrive. Ray then takes charge of the situation and assigns tasks to the police force. Ray and Margie leave for the Moffat's home. Chapter 32 begins midday as the convoy heads to Albert Moffat's house. Ray decides along the way to go into the home in attack mode. Moffat had been stuck to his television watching preachers since the night before. He had been so engrossed that he did not move to even use the bathroom. He did not stir as the police stormed into his house. They were greeted by a horrific stench. They found Mrs. Moffat dead from a hammer blow to the back of the skull, with maggots crawling all over her. Grandisha interrupts Moffat's view and is spoken to in gibberish. They haul Moffat away. Grandisha goes through the home and is met by John Lupico, who informs him that Mrs. Moffat has been dead for three days. He then leaves. By the time Margie finds Grandisha in Moffat's office, Ray is sitting with two files under his elbows and his head down. He shares that the victims seem to have been chosen at random from the lists of coupon books and poker machine sales. Margie reassures Grandisha that there is no way that he could have known. They head back to the office to complete their reports. They find a note from Kahane thanking everyone. After they are done, they head out for a drink. In Chapter 33, Ray and Margie are at the fine time. Word had gotten out, and the patrons greet them with salutes or respectful silence. After getting their drinks and lighting up cigarettes, they talk about Carol Lombard. Regis Kahane walks in and over to their table. He personally thanks Ray and Margie for saving Gina, and then leaves. After a brief discussion about the case, Margie asks Ray for another night together, no strings attached. Ray agrees, and on his way to thank Ramon, Margie lets him know that she knows that the anonymous phone call from that morning had been from Ramon. Together, they leave the bar. Chapter 34 unfolds with all of the involved teens confessing their crimes. The Morales family hires a lawyer to help Ricardo. Ricardo's mother returns to her past life and is found dead a few months later. 
Joe Crowder gets in a drunk driving accident with two black men and escapes from arrest. He is honored at the rebel yell. Margie Grank makes lieutenant. The Sparns also hire a top criminal lawyer to no avail. Sparn and Morales continue to stick together even in jailhouse attacks. The Sparns eventually get an apartment in Ray Grandish's building and they become close friends. Moffat continues to speak only in his gibberish. He was evaluated and defended by a top legal team, but no one could ever understand him again. Thank you to everyone for listening. I am so appreciative for the opportunity to do my recap segment, Mini Cones, over the last few months. I want to explain why this means so much to me. In 1996, I lost my brother Doge to suicide. From the pain of that experience and the journey that I have been on since then, I have learned some important lessons. One of them is that sometimes, without even knowing you need it, an opportunity to both grieve and celebrate the person that you lost comes along. Tommy Listino was my brother's best friend, and I consider him my best friend now. Tommy went on the journey of dealing with my brother's death with me, as did his family. Ten years after Dosh left us, Angelo Greco came to our group of friends with an idea to honor and remember my brother. Over the last 15 years, we have done so with our annual basketball tournament and rib barbecue called Dogefest. When Tommy's father, Steve Lestina, the author of the book we have all enjoyed, passed away, we all mourned our loss. Years later, another friend, Eric Steiner, and Tommy stumbled upon the idea to record Many Cones. When Tommy and Eric told me about this project, I had that same feeling I had when we decided to start Dogefest. I was so honored that Tommy trusted me to go on this journey with him, and I hope that he can feel the care and love that I have for Mr. Listina, Tommy, and the whole Listina family with what I have contributed. For me, this was a gift. It was an opportunity to honor his father in such a unique and specific way. I think anyone who knew Steve Listina would agree that he would feel great pride in what his son has put into the world in his memory. Tommy, I am proud to be your friend. I'm lucky to have known the Lucina family for most of my life. I'm grateful for all of the wonderful people I have in my life because it makes me believe we can help each other find something incredible from even the most difficult of life's challenges. Thank you.